Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Uh, we ended our series last week in the book of Revelation and uh, looking forward to a, a mini two-week series beginning uh, next week on Psalm 23. So we want to make sure to be here for that. It's going to be a great time in the Lord there. But uh, in between that, I have the opportunity to preach what we uh, preachers like to call a standalone. Uh, a standalone. And just in meeting and praying with uh, you know, our, our lead pastor and other campus pastor and some of our other staff, right? Uh, uh, we were led to this passage, really, to uh, look to encourage uh, the saints today. Uh, as we walk through the seven churches of Revelation, man, hey, that's a hard-hitting uh, uh, chapter or chapter, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. Jesus gets pretty real uh, with the churches there, which uh, at times we need, man, we need. I'm thankful that God gets real with uh, me and with us as his people. Uh, but uh, this morning, man, since that the Lord really, uh, you know, wants uh, for us to be encouraged today, uh, for us to be encouraged in uh, him. And so with that being said, uh, we're going to read verses one and two of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 12. And so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And uh, and if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We'll have the uh, verses on the screen, but it's uh, just two verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews, which, by the way, it's not too certain who wrote the book of Hebrews. Someone tells you that they know who wrote it. Run far, far and away because, man, they aren't telling the truth. We don't know uh, who exactly wrote. There's some thoughts and theories. But the writer of Hebrews is looking to encourage uh, these uh, churches uh, that are there in first century. And this is in the first century. And this is what uh, he says. He says this. Therefore. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I've simply entitled this message today. Hey, friend, just keep running. Hey, just keep running. Some of you can can I just be honest with some of you in here, man. Hey, just want to go ahead and press the quit button and quit on this whole following God things. Hey, some of you, right, because of whatever's taking place in your life, hey, you want to just stop for a while, pause for a while in your journey with him. But can I encourage you? Hey, just keep running. Why don't we pray together? God, we love you. We thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for your worship, Lord. Um, God, and uh, we thank you for your word in Hebrews 12. God, I, I pray over these next few moments that you'd speak to us, Lord, encourage us. God, I pray for the person in the room, Lord, that uh, man is running hard after you, Lord, but is getting weary and tired. I pray that you'd meet them where they are today. I pray for that person that, God, has just been beat up in the race and is just wanting to quit. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them to just keep running. I pray for the one that's running steady, Lord. I pray that they'd see that they need you, Lord, and that they continue to lean in on you, Lord. I pray that for us as the church, Lord, we would choose to continue to keep running. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. I stumbled across a story this week about, uh, uh, it was about 1981, uh, the ultra marathon of ultra marathons. It was, uh, from Sydney, Australia to Melbourne, Australia, uh, about 544 miles, right? And it, you know, the terrain there, <clears throat> excuse me, was, uh, was crazy. But in 1981, 150 runners, <clears throat> right, some of the fittest people on earth, set out to uh, run this ultra marathon. And within, you know, one of those people out of the 150 was this old farmer named Cliff that rolled up. He had overalls on, Brother Dwayne, uh, some boots, right? And folks came up, you know, as they were checking in. And, man, folks were laughing at him, jeering at him. Like, man, what's this dude doing? Like, maybe he's just here to watch the race. But whenever he actually went to check in, man, hey, those jeers turned into laughs. Like, man, this dude isn't going to make it. There ain't no way. And so he lined up right on the line with those 149 other runners, the gun goes off and they start to run. And then the crowd erupts in laughter, laughter, because this Cliff guy, Cliff Young was his name, right? He didn't look spry as those other runners, man, who probably ran in the Olympics and did these other things. No, no, he shuffled. And I'm not talking about the Cupid shuffle either. He didn't, hey, he didn't, hey, he, he didn't look, you know, he, he didn't look, uh, 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 you know, spry and, and, and didn't look. Fluid with it, man. It was this odd shuffle, best that it could be described, man. Folks were making fun of him, saying, hey, there's no way he can make it. Well, as the, as time went on, right, as they get near the end of the race, the first person to cross the finish line is Cliff Young. And everybody's wondering, hey, how, how did he do it? He actually beat the world record at the time, right, by nine, almost ten hours, nine hours, 56 minutes. And folks are wondering, man, what, what happened? Well, the standard in running an ultra marathon is that you run for 18 hours, then you stop and sleep for six hours. Well, Brother Cliff, he, he didn't know. He didn't hear about that. He didn't know about that. He, hey, he just kept running. Here's the thing. Because of his background, grew up poor, grew up a farmer, owned over 2,000 acres of land. And so, and they had sheep and all that stuff. So we had to tend those sheep. And so there'd be times where he'd be running for days trying to catch the, you know, sheep and these other animals there. And so he was used to that, man. Just, he just ran. He just kept running. Just kept running and didn't finish and, and, you know, didn't quit. And at the end of the day, hey, he ended up winning the race. Hey, you know where I'm going, but I'm going to go ahead and go there anyways. Hey, the call of the Christian life is to continue to keep running. It's to keep running. The call is to run well so that at the end of the day, we can be like our buddy Paul. In Acts 20, 24, where he says this, hey, I do not account for my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I don't know about you, friend, but I want to finish well. Man. I want to finish well. Some of us say hey, we're just getting started in this Christian journey. Hey, keep running so we can finish well. Those of us, man, that, that may be getting close to the twilight of our life. Hey, keep running. Finish well. But man, answer the call to keep on running. That's the call of Hebrews 12. And that's what uh, the author gives us here, this call. Now, the question is, how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's right here in the text. It's right here. How do we continue to keep on running? First and foremost, the first way we continue to keep running is this. Hey, we must choose to look back. At the faithfulness of God. Hey, in order to keep running the race of faith, right, to keep on, hey, moving in him, running with him, hey, we must choose to look back to the faithfulness of 
God. Hey, friend, if you can testify to the faithfulness of God, shout amen, church. Amen. Hey, the Lord is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And we see the author of Hebrews speak to that. Say, Pastor Herb, I don't see it anywhere. Well, it starts in the first word of chapter 12. He says, therefore. Now, if you know anything about, you know, or if you've been in a Baptist church for a while, I probably heard the preacher say this. Whenever you see therefore in the scripture, you ask what it's there for. Whenever you see therefore in the word, man, it's referring to something that was just talked about earlier on in uh, the, the book or in the letter. And we see that take place here. Hebrews 11. If you go back there, we won't read it. Right? It's a long chapter. But the writer of Hebrews literally speaks to what is called the hall of faith. Hall of faith. All these great folks of the faith, men that lived well for the Lord and ran this race, bore witness of the name of Jesus and finished well. And so he says, hey, because, man, hey, those folks did by my strength. Hey, look back there and let that encourage you to continue running with him. Continue running with him. And that's what we see take place here. You see all kinds of names in Hebrews 11, right? You see folks like Moses, folks like David, right? See folks all throughout the book, man, that ran this race well. And so we must look back and see, hey, the faithfulness of God in their life. Man, and let that encourage us to continue to move forward. Here's what, I, here's what I've realized, though, Brother Rick, when in reading this Hall of Faith chapter. And maybe you've been this way, too. Here's what I've realized. A lot of times, if we're not careful, hey, we can uh, uh, we can over magnify uh, the characters that are being talked about there in the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, we I mean, you, you see the folks that are there and we can, you know, almost kind of worship them. Man, oh, Moses, dude, what a great guy. David, man, I know the Bible talks about being a man after God's own heart. Man, there's all these folks, Abel, all these people. And we can get to a point where we lift them up over, man, the one whom they trusted in to follow. Right. The point of, of the Hall of Faith is to speak to man, the faith of the people and who they had their faith in, not them as people. Man, they, they were messed up people. That dude, Moses, man, before he met with the Lord in the burning bush, he killed a dude and ran away. David, man, he committed adultery, murder. Rahab, we see in Joshua 2, was a prostitute before hey, she, she trusted in the Lord and by faith, man, hid those spies that came to spy out the land. Listen, hey, who we lift up, man, are not necessarily the people, but the God in whom they trusted in and his faithfulness, man, to continue to use them for his glory. All these people that are mentioned, man, they had a nature like ours. And so what does that mean? Hey, we can continue to keep running. And we do that by choosing to look back at the faithfulness of God. Great is his faithfulness. And by the way, the same one who's able, who was able to keep them going is the same one who can keep you going as well. Look at what the scripture says. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Hey, you, you tired? Especially for our folks that are tired in here, man. Got a lot going on. And hey, because you're tired, you just want to press pause, man, on this journey with the Lord. You just, you know, skip out on spending time with him. Hey, skip out on church. Hey, it's summertime, man. Let me just, you know, scale back, man. There's the temptation to want to do that. Look what it says. Talking about the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Hey, he does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths 
shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exalted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Hey, lean in on the Lord today, man. That's what the people people of old did. Need another verse, Hebrews 13, 8 tells us this. Hey, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same God that worked back then is the same one that's able to work here and now. He was faithful back then and he is faithful now. If you're struggling to run today, hey, look back at the faithfulness of God. Which, by the way, I'll go ahead and throw this in free of charge. All of us from time to time need to look back and reflect on God's faithfulness in our life. In the life of other people. And that helps us. That helps keep us going. Here it is. Hey, whenever we look back at the faithfulness of God, man, hey, it's crazy how we'll go from being people that grumble and complain. People that moan and whine to folks that choose to rejoice, even if that situation isn't the way we want it to be. And so, hey, we must choose to look back at the faithfulness of God. That's the first. Hey, that's the first thing we got to do. First thing we got to do. In order to keep running, we got to look back at his faithfulness. Second thing we got to do is this. We've got to choose to lay aside the hindrances. We've got to choose to be folks that lay aside the hindrances. It says it right here in the text. Hey, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right, those that can bear testimony to the faithfulness of God, our response ought to be to choose to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. If we want to run this race in endurance, there's got to be stuff we've got to lay aside or take off. That's the little word in the Greek. Take off. That may be hindering us from running fully. We've all got that stuff. All got that stuff. And there's got to be stuff that we need to remove in order to keep running with endurance. Say, Pastor Herb, what does that look like? Well, it looks like laying aside uh, the weight. He first talks about weight here. And then sin. Obviously, he's he's bringing up a discrepancy between the two, right? Weight can be best categorized as this. Hey, good stuff that may not be God's best stuff. I believe I'll say that one more time. Let me say it over here. Hey, the way that weight is described, right, is good stuff, but not God's best stuff. Let me bring it to today. It's like this. Hey, you know, those those of you who played sports and stuff, you know, I talk about basketball all the time, but I'll talk about it again here. Right. Folks that, you know, play ball, man, wearing ankle weights. You got folks that, you know, practice wearing ankle weights. Man, those are good things. Get get your legs strong, all that stuff. But you're not going to be able to be in peak form playing in the game if you've got those ankle weights shackled up around your ankles. Right. Uh, those that play baseball, you know, the, the little, uh, you know, sometimes it's metal, sometimes it's cork. I don't know exactly what it is. But, you know, in the warm up circle, in the batting circle, man, to use to, to prepare to go up to the plate, man, you, you got to take that off in order to make sure you're at the best position to be able to hit a ball. That's the picture here. The wait, those are good things. But, man, those are not God's best And for us, we've got to choose to identify what those things are in our life and shed them so that we can run this race, man, at optimal speed. I like what it says here. Pastor Derek, uh, whenever we were talking, right, he says this. He goes a step further. He says, laying aside weight speaks to, here it is, man, this is a struggle for some of us in here, learning how to say no to good things and learning how to say yes to God's best. Got to learn how to say no sometimes. And so what that means is this. M- maybe for you, right, 
your way is choosing to try and keep up with the Joneses, right? Those that are around you in your life, right? You know, comparing and contrasting, trying to follow them. And maybe the call for you is, man, to lay aside that way and just follow Jesus and his plan for you and your family's life. Maybe for you, it's choosing social media, right? It's a good tool, but it's become a weight in your life because, like I mentioned, that comparison, you know, comparison game, drowning out, wasting time. And maybe the call for you, man, is to let that go and not let the enemy let you down. Here it is. Maybe it's choosing to do this. Maybe it's choosing to let go of the weight of that dream. That that's bogged you down because it's not God's dream for your life. And choose, man, to follow him and his plan, whatever it looks like. Right. We've got to choose to identify what those weights are and take them off. Lay them down at his feet. What are those weights? What are those weights? Man, we all got them. Everything that hinders progress. Like I said, I spoke to it last week. For me, man, it's learning how to say no to stuff. I want to do it all. Pastor Greg. I want to go, you know, preach at this certain camp, do this certain thing. And what God has remained a pruning season for me. God's teaching me how to say no to stuff, even though it's good. But, man, it's not God's best. And in the same way, man, that's the call for us here. We're called to lay down the weight. But secondly, he speaks to sin here. We've got to lay aside sin that so easily entangles us. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Eliminate it. We've talked about Matthew 5 before where Jesus says, man, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. We've got to choose to do that. Eliminate it. You can't flirt with sin. Like I've said before, hey, you can't dance with the devil because, hey, hello, he always takes the lead in the dance. Always does. And so you got to choose to cut it out because it'll take you places you don't want to go. Hey, friends, we've got to choose to be proactive, man, in eliminating sin in our Life. If we want to run well, want to run with endurance, you got to choose to cut it out. Uh, in light of us being in the summer months, I know we've got a lot of folks that have gone on uh, vacation, right? And I know a lot of folks in here, you know, love going to the beach. We got any beach lovers in the house? Got any beach lovers? Got a few, not many. Okay, I, man, less than I expected. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, but uh, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of the beach. Now, I enjoy, you know, relaxing and stuff, but, man, the biggest thing that I despise most about the beach, you already know, the sand. The sand. Y'all know how it goes. It, it gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. And, and it doesn't matter how diligent you are, man. It, it's in your Crocs, you know, or, or your sand, whatever you're wearing. Man, it's still going to be there two, three weeks whenever you get home. Man, you, you know, for me, like it's in my hair somehow. I'm sitting up on a chair, and somehow it's in my hair, and I can't get it out. It's crazy. It gets everywhere. And it doesn't matter how diligent, you know, how diligently you work to try and get it out. Hey, it clings so closely to you. And so you got to work extra hard, man, to get rid of it. Hey, you already know where I'm going, but I'm going to go there anyway. Hey, that's the picture of sin. Hey, it it clings so closely to you. So, hey, you've got to be overly diligent in getting rid of it. Yes, we still got this sinful flesh. We still, hey, we still got this old man, this old body. But hey, we've got to be diligent to cut it out. Let it go. That means identifying, man, hey, those weak points in our life, man, and cutting out what may lead to those things. That means, hey, cho- choosing to, to press pause, man, on doing something because you know it's leading you to a place where you don't need to go. That means, hey, parents, 
even though you may be upset with your kid, right? Maybe it's choosing to press pause before you enter into that argumentative conversation that leads you to a place where you say something you don't need to be saying to your child. We've got to choose, man, to cut sin out of our life. Got to remove it. First Corinthians 10, 13 says this. This is the good news. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also, hello, provides a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's the good news. Second portion of uh, that text there, man. Hey, you can escape. You can escape in Christ, man. Hey, we can say no. We've been freed. Hey, and we can say no. And so choose to cut it out. Why? Because Jesus is better. He's better. So firstly, right, in order to run this race well, man, in order for us to continue to keep running, we've got to choose to look back at the faithfulness of God. Secondly, hey, in order to run this race well, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, we've got to choose to lay aside the hindrances, the weight and the sin. Stuff in our life, man, that bogs us down. We all got it, by the way. If you think that you don't have it, you're in a mess. Can I be honest with you? We've all got it. And so we've got to pinpoint those things and choose, man, to take those things off, lay them aside. And then thirdly and lastly, right, in order for us to continue to keep running, let me encourage you now. Hey, we've got to choose to look to Christ. We've got to look to Christ, look what it says here. Man, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it says it right there, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Which speaks to right the fact that he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He's alive and well. right, And he's currently seated at Man, uh, the right hand of the Father. In order to continue to run this race well, we've got to choose to look to Jesus. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. It means this. Hey, it's got, it, you've got to understand that we need Him. I think we can, we can forget at times. That's great. If, if you've been on this Christian journey for any length of time, you can easily forget that and, and get to a point where you think that, man, you can run this race without Him. Because you know enough Bible, because you know enough Christian songs, because you know enough Christian people that you can run this race without Jesus. No, no, you can't. You can't. We need him. We need him. And for us as, man, children of God, we've got to come to understand. We've got to understand, right, that, man, Jesus is more than just some side piece. Right, or just someone that we put to the side or someone that we bring out in worship just one day a week. Man, he's our everything. We need him. It's kind of like what the psalmist said. I love it. Psalm 121, 1 and 2, right? It's not on the screen, but here's what it says, man. I lift my eyes to the hills and I ask where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Man, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made heaven and earth. He understood, man, that he needed the Lord. And for us, the call is the same, man. We must look to Christ. 
Why? Because we need him. But also the, the text shows us why else we look to him. We look to him first and foremost because he is the founder of our faith. Speaks to the fact that, hey, we were saved by faith in Christ. Saved by faith in him. There's no other name in which we've been saved by, but by him. He's the one that began this good work in us. Right? It's like what Peter said in Acts 4.12. Hey, there's, and, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men. By which we must be saved. Hey, Jesus, friends, is the founder of our faith. Can I go ahead and preach it? Hey, Muhammad's not the founder of our faith. Jesus is. Confucius isn't the founder of our faith. Jesus is. Hey, those good works that you've done, they aren't the founders of our faith. Jesus is. It's only by his name. No other name under heaven. But other than the name of Jesus. And that's why we look to him. He is the founder of our faith. But secondly, we see this. He's also the perfecter of our faith. Philippians 1 6. I mean, Jesus, well, first off, Hebrews 12 says it right there, the founder and perfecter. But Philippians 1 6 says it this way. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning this. Hey, the one man that saved us is the one that's able to keep us. And sustain us, man, and bring, man, our faith to completion. He's the one, man, that's able to favor. He's the perfecter of faith. He's the one that's able to finish what he started in our life. And so that's why we look to him. By the way, you can't do it on your own, like I said. Got to look to him. Jude 24 and 25. Man, the benediction, the doxology here says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen and amen. Can I encourage you? Hey, he will see you through, church. He'll see you through. And so choose to look to him because he's the perfecter of our faith. And then thirdly and lastly, and, and we're done, is this, man. We look to Jesus because he is our example. The last portion of verse 2 there. Who, for the joy that was set before him, hey, he endured the cross. Hey, just talk about, hey, running with endurance. Jesus set the example for us. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Hey, you... You remember reading what the Gospels talked about, what Jesus did. We just sang about it. This Jesus, right, who endured the cross, man. Hey, betrayed by one of his own disciples for 30 pieces of silver. Man, having to carry his own cross, beaten, mocked. He's the son of God, beaten and mocked. Hey, the, the one, man, that they nailed his hands to that old rugged cross. The one that they put, man, that crown of thorns marking, mocking him. On his head. Hey, all that stuff he endured. He endured for us. And he set the example for us in that way. Even though, man, it was excruciating. He endured it. Even though it cost his father turning his own face away. God the Father, man, saw Jesus suffering and he turned away. Even though it cost him that. Listen, he endured. Why? For the joy that was set before 
him. And the joy that came and making an opportunity for us to be able to be reconciled to God again, brought back together in relationship with him again. That's why he did it. That's why he did it. And he is our example. He's our example. But we know he didn't stay dead, as I mentioned earlier. Hey, he's alive and well. Hey, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Hey, he walks with me and talks with me. Along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And you ask me how I know he lives, church. Hey, because he lives in my heart. He's in my heart. And because he lives, friends, hey, because he set the example. Man, the call for us is to choose to continue to run this race with endurance. Run this race with endurance. Hey, just keep running. Just keep running. I'll end with this. Shocker, another sports illustration. <laughs> My mind, one of the best uh, running backs of all time, uh, former Dallas Cowboy, played majority of his life with the Dallas Cowboys, Emmitt Smith. He holds the record for most rushing yards. You know, with over 15,000. The stats say that, you know, he averaged more than four yards a carry, right? He averaged four yards before he got tackled. And so if you divide four yards a carry by 15,000 or so yards, man, you get to a pretty big number of the times he got tackled. Can't do it in my head right now, but get a pretty big number. (laughs) But listen, even though he kept getting knocked down, church, he got back up and kept running. He kept running. Here's the point. Some of us, right, and and some within the church and what we see throughout is, man, the times that they get tackled in life, man, they just want to lay on the field. Or whenever they get tackled, man, they just want to head on to the sideline and say, hey, I'm done. I'm tapped out. Hey, when life tackles somebody, man, they just want to wave the white flag. But no, no, the call for us is to get back up and keep running. We, man, we know this, this world, man, hey, the world is passing away. But we know, man, that, that it's evil, corrupt, the enemy's at work. We know life's a struggle. Raising a family's a struggle. Man, work is a struggle. It's it's tough. It's difficult. But for the call of the Christian, man, it's to keep on running. Don't quit. We can keep going because we've got Jesus, man, to look up to. We can keep running because we saw how faithful God was in the past with the saints of God that are in the hall of faith. We can keep running. Because, man, God enables us to be able to let go of the stuff that so easily entangles us. So, church, hey, just keep running. Just keep running. Can I encourage you today? Hey, just keep running. Those of you who want to quit today, hey, just keep running. Hey, those of you who, man, have been in a season where you've just been playing church for a while, hey, just keep running. Just keep running. 